Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Amen. I don't know about you, but something Chris Bell said really just triggered my allergies. Um, Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it's customary these days that when, uh, if you're a husband, when your wife is about to give birth, you buy her a gift. It's called a push present. I don't know, anybody buy a push present? Uh, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to give your wife that actually helps in any regard for what they're about to go through. But uh, when Lindsay had Kara, I bought her a push present, and I, I bought her 30 Rock like the TV series. I bought her the whole, whole series because it's like her favorite TV show. I figured, well, she's there in the hospital and she could be, you know, hanging out with her best friend, Liz Lemon, and all of her shenanigans and all of that. And Lindsay loved it and it was great and uh, it was very well received. Uh, but I don't, I don't, any 30 Rock fans, anybody watch the show? Uh, if you're familiar with the show, if, if you're not, the, it centers around this woman, Liz Lemon, who is a, a writer and a TV producer. And she ends up in this, this mental mentoring relationship with a high-powered executive. And this high-powered executive is going to kind of untap her potential as a, you know, a businesswoman and everything. And, and much of the show centers around this theme of Liz Lemon trying to have it all. She can have it all. She can have the career. She can have the personal life. She can have the social life. She can, she can have it all. And you know, there are these moments along the way where she gets it. Like, she has it all. I have it all. But like, inevitably those moments come crashing down and she loses it. Uh, and, and as I watch the show as a man, it, it's very enlightening for me to, to see just what it is that women have to go through. It, it highlights kind of some of the, the differences between being a man and a, a woman in our society that for a man to be successful, it's pretty simple, all right? It's not It's not easy, but it's simple. You just have to like have a successful career. Even if the rest of your life is falling apart as a man, if if you have a successful career, you could be admired and kind of looked up to and all of that respected. But if you're a woman, if you want to be successful uh, in in the 21st century America, you have to have a, a successful career and you have to have a successful, happy marriage which, by the way, ladies, I don't know if you know, but that depends on you primarily. Uh, and, and you have to have kids, and those kids have to be pleasant, successful people, which, of course, ladies, also is on you. And if any part of that is missing, there's this kind of sense that like, you're not living up to your potential. You're not succeeding as a woman in the 21st century. Like, it, it's tough, being you. I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I'm really glad I'm not a woman. Uh, I would love to see things change, but I don't know if it will. But one of the the, uh, times when we really saw this highlight was during the pandemic, of course, because during the pandemic, when there were shutdowns and all of that happening, not only did you have to do all of that other stuff, but like now you had to be a daycare and you had to be a, a teacher and an entertainer and a chauffeur. You had to do like all of these other things on top of the things that you were already doing and primarily for you ladies that landed on your shoulders. There's a, a series of articles written in the New York Times uh, last February and the, the series was called The Primal Scream. One of the articles, it was called, uh, America's Moms Are in Crisis. Is anybody listening? Because there was this, this feeling of 
crisis, the pressure that was being placed on, on you ladies is just incredible during that time. In fact, they set up, during this time, the New York Times, they set up a hotline uh, for women to call in. And it wasn't so they could call in and get advice. The hotline was set up so that women could call in and scream. That's it. Like, you just call and go, ah! Uh, it was very, apparently very therapeutic and cathartic for a lot of ladies to kind of let out that, that primal scream. In, in one of these articles, it observed, it observed this. It says, moms carry the burden. It is mothers who do the majority of the domestic chores and child-related planning, even when both parents work and the woman is the breadwinner, all right? So get this, both parents working, mom makes more money than dad, she's still doing the domestic stuff. It's mom who, who is, uh, it's the moms who tend to be responsible for the health of their families, the sick days, the doctor's appointments, the worrying about germs, as well as the caring for older relatives. Moms remain the vast majority of single parents in this country, some of whom had to choose in this pandemic between leaving young children at home or risking losing their jobs. The pressure that was placed on you ladies during this pandemic, right, where you're trying to to have it all. You're trying to do it all at the same time because this is kind of the pressure that's put upon you where, where dad's fast asleep and now you finally get to do the work that you weren't able to do all day because you were watching the kids and you still have that job. Any ladies able to relate? Uh, or of course, this, this is one, I love this one, where dad is working in his home office and mom, who has the same job, is changing uh, and doing you know, toilet time with the baby. Now, of course, this was like a national survey. They were following families from all over the country. I'm sure none of our families had that imbalance, right? Because all of you dads shared all of the, the domestic responsibilities with your working moms, right? <laughs> of course, but probably not, right? We probably fell into much of those same routines and the pressure that is just placed on the, on the moms and the women in our society. It is unfair and it is imbalanced. And I think part of it, of course, is because of like social pressures and you know, societal gender norms and stuff like that. Uh, that's definitely part of it. But I think there's another piece of it. Another reason why for ladies, for sometimes you end up picking up more of the responsibility than the men. And I think it's because you care. <laughs> Like, you care deeply. I'm not saying that, that men and dads don't care. It's just that moms, you care differently. And, and I know with generalizations and stuff like that, like, these don't always line up. And, these, you know, with stereotypes, there are exceptions and all of that. So I'm not saying this has to be your scenario. But, but very often, I think the norm is that in, the, like, a mom-dad relationship, the moms care a little differently than the dads. One of the ways I see it in my relationship with Lindsay is uh, our daughter, Kara, she's three. When she wakes up in the morning, she is hungry immediately. Like, she wants to eat food the moment she gets out of bed. Now, she goes to daycare three days a week. Okay, and the very first thing that she's going to do at daycare is eat breakfast. Breakfast I already paid for, all right? So me, as dad, if I'm getting her ready, like I'm gonna get her dressed and ready for school and I'm gonna take her to school and then she's gonna eat breakfast and she's gonna be okay. Like she might be a little hungry along the way, but she's not gonna starve to death. Now, if Kara was gonna starve, I would care deeply. I would care as much as Lindsay, arguably, if Kara was going to go hungry. But she's not. 
I care, I care that she's going to be okay. But if she's a little hungry along the way, like, that's okay. But for Lindsay, if Lindsay's getting Kara ready for uh, the morning, she's going to feed her the very moment she gets up. Because Lindsay doesn't just care that Kara's going to be okay kind of in the big picture. She cares about every moment along the way. She cares how Kara is feeling in the moment, every step. Like she feels those same hunger pangs for that whole hour that I make Kara wait to eat breakfast. Sometimes hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> but she's going to be okay. Like she's not going to start. Uh, but there's something about like moms, like you care differently. Like, you don't just care in the big picture that we're going to be okay. You care how we feel in each and every moment. It's a really special care, right? A really special care. Like, when dads hear their, their kid cry, like, it affects us. It does. But, and we care that they're going to be okay. But for, like, mom, when you hear a kid cry, it's just like, ugh, it's different, right? Or, or if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, walk it off, or stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about, chances are you heard that from dad, not mom, all right? Now, there's exceptions, but I, you, you get this, this kind of shift, that, this uh, divide between sometimes the way that dads care and the way that moms care. And again, I know these are generalizations. There's exceptions to the rule, but I think that's the, the experience of many of us. Moms, you care so deeply about every moment along the way in our experience, and that's such a special care, and we love you for it. We love you. It would be a cold, dark world if it wasn't for mom's love in our lives. We love you for it. But, but I also recognize that that's a tremendous burden that you're carrying. That when you care for people in that way, what you're doing is you're taking their burdens upon your shoulders, and that's a lot of pressure. Pressure that goes drip, 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 and it just won't let go. Whoa. whoa. Pressure that goes tip, tip, tip until you're ready to blow. Whoa. Um, that's an Encanto reference. If you haven't seen it, uh, if you haven't seen it, that means you don't have kids under the age of 10. Uh, but, but there's this pressure that is placed upon you. And if you feel that pressure, and you feel like you're at the end of your rope. You feel like there's cracks starting to form. And there's this word of encouragement from the Apostle Peter that I want to share with you. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 5. It's a simple verse. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, I realize that might sound a little trite. And even at first, it could sound a little offensive because it sounds like a command, like, Cast all your cares upon him. Cast, you know, make sure you cast all your cares upon him. Like, as if it's one more thing that you have to add to your plate, one more way that you can fail as a mom or a, a woman or a homemaker. And obviously, this doesn't just apply to women. This applies to anybody who feels the pressure of this world, which is probably all of us. It can sound like, oh, this is one more thing that I need to add to my plate. I need to, now I need to cast all my cares. And when I don't, now I'm failing God too. But it's not, it's not a command. In fact, this isn't even an imperative. This is just a, like a participle uh, that, that talks about what happens. That our anxieties, they, they can kind of just fall off of our shoulder because he cares for you. And I just want you to know he cares for you. 
Whatever pressure you're feeling right now, and you know, if you are a mom who over the last couple of years they've been rough and you feel like you are at the end of your tether and the weight of the world is coming down on you and you're caring for everyone. You're caring for everyone and you just wish somebody would care for you the way that you're caring for everyone. He cares for you. And for, for some of you, maybe you're, you're feeling today the, the pressure and the, the anxiety of maybe, maybe losing mom or maybe being distant from mom or maybe, maybe that the mom that you had wasn't quite the mom that you needed and you feel that angst and that pain and you feel that pressure today. I want you to know he cares for you. Some of you, maybe you, you want to be a mom and for whatever reason, God hasn't let that be part of your story yet and you feel the, the social pressure and the stigma around that and you feel that weight crushing you and I just want you to know he cares for you. Whatever it is that's, that's coming down upon you and, and crushing you right now, I want you to know he cares for you. Now, the, the problem is that I think we hear that he cares for us and we tend to think that he cares for us like a dad. Because he's our heavenly father, right? That's how we're told to even think about him and refer to him, that he cares for us. And we think like, yeah, he cares for us like a dad. He's going to make sure everything's okay in the end. But God's care isn't just the care of a father. In fact, numerous times throughout scripture, God, he actually talks about his care being like the care of a mom as well. He talks about being like this, this mother bird gathering her, her baby chicks under her wings to nurture and protect and care for her. The King David, he actually talks about his relationship to God like being a, a, a nursing child at his mother's breast. That was the, the bond that he had with his heavenly father and the care that he experienced from his heavenly father. Even, even the word compassion the very, when, when Moses asks to see God's glory and God reveals himself, he says, the very first thing out of God's mouth, he says, I'm compassionate. I'm compassionate. But the Hebrew word for compassion is actually linked to the Hebrew word for womb, like a mother's womb. That compassion has that sort of maternal sense to it. And God is saying, that's him. That's his sort of compassion and his care. And of course, this makes sense because when God created humanity, he created them male and female, Right? In his image, he created them. That everything about paternal love and paternal care is derived from our Heavenly Father. But everything that we understand as maternal love and maternal instinct and that nurturing also comes from God. He's the source of both of these streams. And he loves us not just as a dad, but as, as a mom as well. I think one of the, the, the best passages is Isaiah 49. So the nation of Israel, they're crying out to God. They say, the Lord has, has forgotten me. The Lord has forgotten me. They were in this place where just the pressure of everything was coming down upon them, and it just felt like God didn't care. They knew the promises that lay in the future, like he was going to make everything okay, but right now it felt like he didn't care. He forgot them. And look how, how God responds. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she's born? In that moment, God doesn't say, no, I love you like a dad. No, he says, no. Think of the way that a mom, a nursing mom, holding her baby at her breast. Can she forget that baby? Can she not care for that child in her arms? God says, no, no, no. 
actually, she can. <laughs> though she may forget. Though she may. Like, it does happen. Women, you know, you guys, uh, sometimes your moms aren't perfect. You've experienced that. Some of you, you felt that, like, mom wasn't who she was supposed to be. Though she may forget, he says, I will not forget you. So it's not just what we experience from moms. It's what we, we should experience. It's the best Some of you moms, you feel like there are times when you fail your kids and you feel like you're not living up to your potential. God doesn't just love you in your weakened state. He loves you as the mom that you you want to be. Like with the fullness of that level of care and attention to every detail of not just how things are going to end up, but what you're experiencing in this moment. And then he presses it even farther. Look what he says. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I love this. This is the prophet Isaiah writing this. This is like six or 700 years before the time of Jesus. And so the nation of Israel, they just kind of had to take Isaiah at his word that God engraved them on the palms of his hands. But, but we don't have to take him at his word. We get to look to Jesus. And we can see the way that he has engraved us on his hands, not with pen and ink, but with hammer and nails. This is the care that God has for you. When Peter says he cares for you, he's not just talking about the God who's going to make sure everything's okay in the end. He's talking about the God who cares for you right now, in this moment, in your worst moment, when things are falling apart. He's there, and he cares for you. And there's a a couple of barriers, hurdles, that uh, impede the way that we experience this care, right? His care never stops, but but our experience of it can kind of go up and down. There's some hurdles and barriers that Peter's going to help us work through uh, in in being able to experience God's care for us. But before we talk about those, I actually just want to take a, a few minutes And I want to give you the chance to just sit in the reality of his care for you. Not just his fatherly care, but his his maternal care for you. That you are engraved in the palms of his hands. So the band is going to come out and they're going to play a song. And as they do, I want to encourage you. uh, You can just sit there in your seats. And I want you to kind of go through in your mind and think through the moments when you feel like God stopped caring. Think through maybe some experiences where you just felt like you were being crushed, where you're falling apart at the seams. Maybe some of these moments happened in the last week. There might have been dozens that happened in the last week. Some of you might be going back years, decades even, to, to kind of key moments in your life where it just felt like God was absent, absent, like he forgot you. I want you to, to bring those, those moments to mind. Just one, one at a time, kind of sit in that moment. I just want you to picture Jesus coming alongside you. And taking your hand in his nail-pierced hand. Holding your hand. And him just saying, I will not forget you. I care for you here. I have you engraved in the palms of my hands. 
move on to the next experience, the next moment, picture him again coming alongside of you and taking your hand in his nail-pierced hand and saying, I will not forget you. I care for you even here. I've engraved you in the palm of my hands. Move on to the next moment. In the next moment, let's just sit in the reality that he cares for you in every moment. Whose glory?
good to sit in the, the knowledge of his care, to kind of bask and meditate in that. And maybe for just a moment, you weren't just thinking about it, but you felt it. You felt his care. You felt his loving embrace. And we can experience that care, but there are hurdles that we can often experience as well, uh, that kind of barriers to uh, letting God's care wash over us. And as Peter continues on, he continues on, he says, be alert and of sober mind. All right? So his, his very first admonition to us, after saying to, to kind of cast all our cares on him because he cares for us, is to say, be alert and of sober mind. Because, of course, you're going to leave here today and you're going to be bombarded by a whole new set of moments. Moments where, again, it might not feel like Jesus is there. It might not feel like he cares for you in that moment. He's saying to, to be alert, be aware of that. Bring it to mind. He actually goes on to say, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Right? So it's not just the, the pressure of the world, but the, the devil himself is trying to devour you. And you know how he's going to devour you? He's going to get you to forget that God cares for you. So that you can let all those anxieties and worries of life just heap back on your shoulders and crush you. The enemy, he wants you to forget. So Peter, he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. He's saying, stand firm in the faith. He's saying, remember, remember, bring it to mind, be alert and a sober mind so that you can remember how much he cares for you. And you can do this in a lot of practical ways, just setting up these reminders in your life, places where you can just be able to see, he cares for me. Oh yeah, he cares for me. How easy it is to go through our day and the enemy comes in and he tries to distract us and we forget, he cares. And even just that simple reminder to kind of take a step back, take a breath, oh yeah, he's here with me, he cares. One of the tools we wanted to give you is uh, we created just a couple of graphics for your phone to be your home screen and your lock screen. So I have the one as my, my lock screen that says, uh, now it's covered with a bunch of uh, icons, but <laughs> the one that says he cares for you is here right on my, my lock screen. And then when I open it, it says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. And even this week, as I, I had it on my phone, just every time I saw it, it was just that trigger to remind me, oh yeah, he cares for me. I can let these anxieties fall off because he cares for me. If you want to text uh, the word, the, the phrase, he cares, to Beacon's texting number, we'll have you sent right to your phone and you download them. I was, uh, it was pointed out to me that the one that says, he, he, uh, see, I've engraved you on my hands, um, is like a little gory for Mother's Day. Um, and that's, that's actually okay. Actually, it was, when we were creating it, looking at different ones, uh, there were a lot of like nice, clean hands that had, you know, nail holes. Um, but it just didn't capture the truth that 
he engraved you in the palm of his hands. It wasn't pretty, but it's beautiful. (laughs) And he loves you and he cares for you that much. And to just kind of have these visual reminders every time you pick up your phone, you can do this with countless other things, just ways to set up in your life to be reminded he cares. Stand firm in that. Don't forget. And he says, stand firm in the faith. You know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And he links it back to the family of believers. And and one of the best ways that we can set ourselves up to not forget is to be connected to this family of believers. So if you don't have, if you're not in a small group and you don't have people that you're like on a text stream throughout the week that are saying, he cares, reminding you of his grace, people that you could reach out to when you're at the end of your rope to remind you, he cares. See, he has you engraved in the palm of his hands. Oh man, having a community like that is invaluable to to not forgetting, to remember he cares for you to experience that care, not just here on Sunday morning, but to experience that care as you go throughout your week. There's another obstacle that we we face to experiencing his care. It's a, a little more involved. Right before he tells us to cast our anxieties on him, he gives us this charge. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he starts with this this call to humble ourselves so that he may lift us up. Because our our pride and our, our independence will become a barrier to him lifting us up. Uh, I was talking to my wife, and she, she pointed out that talking about pride and humility, for some reason she didn't think I'm, like, well-equipped uh, to talk about pride and humility. No, that's not true. Um, however, what is true is I, I did actually invite my wife to come and share a little bit uh, about this experience of humbling ourselves before God so that he can lift us up. Because I think there is something unique, especially, uh, especially on Mother's Day, especially as we talk about moms and ladies, how you experience that call to humble yourselves and to, to surrender to God's care that is unique in Uh, the experience of a woman, especially here in the 21st century, and she's much more equipped to speak to that than I. So I want to invite my wife, Lindsay, to come on out and uh, share with us just uh, a little bit about what it looks like and and even some of the struggles to humble ourselves so that God might lift us up. Hello, everybody. So I don't know about you, but I am a big fan of my independence. I like to be self-reliant, and I like doing what I want, when I want, when I want to do it, and I'd rather not rely on someone else if I don't have to. That's a direct quote from Kara, our three-year-old. No, not really. She's not, she's articulate, but she's not that articulate. Although the other day she was asking me to translate words into Spanish. And, you know, that's because she's apparently mastered English as as her first language already. So there's that. Uh, And being the self-reliant, intelligent woman that I am, I proudly lifted my voice in response to her. And I said, okay, Google, 
How do you translate rainbow into Spanish? All by myself, I did that, all by myself. Uh, it's Arcos Aries, by the way, if you're wondering. Uh, ask Kara, she'll tell you. I do love being independent, though. I like feeling knowledgeable, like I know stuff. And I love that about Kara, too. She is an independent woman. But we hit some snags when neither of us are getting what we want. Enter nap time. Maybe some of you can relate. Uh, I want her to sleep. She wants to play. We laugh. We cry. Until one of us gives in. No one likes to feel like their independence is being threatened, toddler or otherwise. And as a female, there's plenty in this world influencing me in the way that I think about submission and surrender. And it hasn't really been painted in a positive light. I hear messages like, the future is female, down with the patriarchy. Well-behaved women seldom make history. I am woman, hear me roar. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I'm all for supporting women, and I know that not everyone is out to oppress us or treat us as less than. But when I think about the idea of submitting and surrendering, bleh, as I put it to Trevor so eloquently, I associate it with defeat, acknowledging weakness, being a damsel in distress in need of rescuing. Thank you very much, Disney. And when I come to a text like 1 Peter 5, God's care for me is not the first thing that stands out to me. I'm told to humble myself and rely on someone else to lift me up. But what I hear is, admit defeat, you weak little girl. The past few weeks, I'm sorry, not the past few weeks, the past few years, I have studied trauma and its effects on the brain and the body and just day-to-day -day living. And the loss of choice plays a tremendous role feeling stuck in an abusive relationship, experiencing unwanted attention in the workplace, betrayal from an authority figure who should have been trustworthy, grieving the unexpected loss of a parent, child, or loved one. Not all of us can relate to an experience as specific as one of these, though some of us can, unfortunately. But we can all relate to experiencing a loss of choice in some capacity. We do live in a fallen world among flawed humans, after all. And when I think about God as an authority, I find myself comparing him to the authorities of this world. But he's not of this world. And so I'll return to the text, trying to reconcile the ideas that surrender and submitting and caring are somehow all related to the goodness of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If I'm honest, I see the paradox in my desire to maintain my autonomy, believing I know best, to wanting to do what I want, when I want, this kind of approach to living is the very thing that can lead to conflict and sinful behavior. Living life my way can be a violation to someone else trying to live their life their way. 
I don't know if any of you have heard the phrase, you're ruining my life. It might sound familiar. We actually need an authority figure to keep the peace. Can you imagine a world full of toddlers and teenagers trying to live their best lives? I imagine it might start out like Never Never Land, but then turn a little bit more Lord of the Flies. It's not a stretch to imagine, though, considering the world that we do live in. Sometimes I wonder if God looks at me and sees a toddler throwing a tantrum simply because I'm just not getting what I want. And now that I have experienced what it's like for my own child to melt down because I didn't let her run with scissors, my perspective has changed. What I used to interpret as a form of oppression, I now see as a form of protection. Trusting and submitting to a loving authority is a good thing. As a parent, I want what's best for my daughter. I don't let her run with scissors because I know the harm that it could cause her. Submission and surrendering are not the issue. The character of the one in charge is what makes all the difference. In his book, Surrender to Love, by David Brenner, some of you might be familiar, he speaks of surrender like this. He says, surrender to anything other than love would be idiocy. Alarm bells should go off when we hear of people surrendering to abusive relationships. Surrender involves too much vulnerability to be a responsible action in relation to anything other than unconditional love. Ultimately, of course, this means that absolute surrender can only be offered to perfect love. Only God deserves absolute surrender because only God can offer absolutely dependable love. God is different from any authority here on earth. He is, after all, God. The beginning and the end, the king of the universe, the father who wants you to thrive in life, and the mother who nurtures your needs here and now. He is the one who so loved this stubborn, self-centered world and surrendered his perfect, other-centered son and who endured the especially painful separation between a parent and child. Why? He could see the need to protect us from harm, and not because of duty, but out of devotion. He chose to rescue us, not because of good behavior, earning his affection, but despite our errors in judgment and toddler-like tunnel vision, he chose us. He cares for us. This unconditional love is what makes God different from any other authority. Having it together or losing it once again or asking Google when you don't know the answer will not change his love for you or for me. So what would it take for us to surrender to him? We can surrender our control to him, believing that his power has resurrected his son back to life, that he has raised him up and rewarded him well, and at just the right time. We recognize that God exists outside of time, that he created time. No other authority has this kind of power. We can surrender our trust to him. His devotion to protect us from harm has already been shown. The proof engraved into the hands of his loving child. 
No other authority has this kind of knowledge or selfless motivation. And we can surrender our anxiety to him. He knows pain. He knows what it is to grieve loss. And yet he is the source of peace nonetheless. No other authority knows you or is concerned for you like God. It's a bit of a relief to believe that I don't have to rely on myself to do it all, know it all, have it all. The idea of surrender still feels risky and it does make me a bit uneasy. But when I think about surrendering to the ultimate authority, who is unlike any other authority figure, recalling his love-centric character, who is protective of my future glory, it puts me at ease. And that sounds like a God worthy of surrender. At this time, I invite you to stand as Trevor is going to come out to pray. Father, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, trusting that you do care for us. God, and we have represented here a whole host of different life stages and different circumstances and different experiences of joy and heartache. And yet, in the midst of every moment, of every circumstance, for every single one of us, there's one constant, and that is that you care so deeply for each of us. And you have us engraved on the palms of your hands. You hold us in your arms like a, a mom bringing up their child, holding them to their cheek. God, and I pray that your spirit would empower us to feel that love. That each and every person here would walk out not just knowing that you care, but feeling your care. Not just now, but day after day in the high moments and the low moments to know and, and sense your unceasing, unstoppable care for us. We love you and we trust you and we cast off our anxieties before you because we know you care. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.